0: Welcome to Food Friday Leftovers,
1: a podcast about all the goodies left over from Food
0: Friday. I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer, and wine. You hungry yet? Huh, I'm always hungry. Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week.
1: We've got apples in the fridge. Today, we are speaking with...
2: Alan Sachs from Franklin County Cider Days.
1: And... Sue Gould Miller from Gould Orchards. Great, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, My first question has to do with something that you said in Vox Pop. Um, You mentioned that some of the bitter apples actually make good cider, and I always thought it was the opposite. I figured a sweeter apple would make better cider. Is there something in the process that lends itself, lends bitter apples to be more successful?
2: Well, if you think about wines and you think about how you might, if you ever tried tasting wines, you notice that the red wines sometimes have tannic acids in them and are not, uh, they're not sweet like, uh, you know, like some sweet wines are. And the same thing is with when you're making a good apple cider, whether it's fresh or whether it's a fermented cider. If you have a blend of apples and you have a blend of flavors, it's going to give you a longer taste, a longer uh, flavor profile over your tongue. So sometimes the tannic apples and the bitter apples uh, are some of the best ones in cider. Uh, the old timers used to always be crazy about uh, Virginia crabs, and uh, or there were other different kinds of crab apples that they liked. And these are small, gnarly-looking apples that you would never see on a fruit stand, but they make <laughs> great cider. A friend of mine was pressing cider the other day, and he gave me... a. Uh, little bit of this crab apple cider that he had he had just pressed and it was delicious it was much more um, robust and complex than what you get out of what we normally see think about as dessert apples or apples that you eat out of hand which are high in sugar but don't necessarily have complexity on the other end because they're not good to eat the bitter apples the spitters are not good to eat out of hand and um, so it is it is fascinating that you know something that you would think is inedible can be transformed into something delicious
1: And with the fermented versions, is there anything to do with the sugar content? Because when I'm thinking of fermenting, I'm thinking about, okay, yeast needs sugar. Right, absolutely. Um, But the bitter apples still went out.
2: The thing that's interesting about crab apples or other bitter apples is sometimes the sugar content is higher in there, but they are covered up by the bitterness and the sharpness. So you don't notice how sweet they are because you're tasting that bitter taste. Oh,
0: So are there orchards for apples to eat and
2: orchards for apples for cider? There are mostly orchards for apples to eat. The apple cider, business in terms of making fermented cider and the hobbyists, um, that's a very small, small part of the market, a growing part of the market because cider is one of the fastest growing alcoholic (laughs) beverage market these days, but it's still a relatively small piece of the market. So there are people who are starting orchards that are for making hard cider, but most of the orchards that you're going to see, most commercial orchards are going to be making uh, apples for the fresh fruit market, the applesauce market, the pie market. Any of those other types of, and, and Sue can talk more about basically,
3: commercial. Basically, um, if you're a commercial fruit farm, you are producing apples that are going to go for fre- what you call fresh consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, making apples, growing apples for cider or for processing is, we know it costs $8 a bushel to make a bushel of apples to happen. So you have to be able to recover that cost mm-hmm. and it, processing, and uh, whether it's for what they call peelers, or whether it's for pressing cider for big, huge cider makers, um, it, you're not going to get that kind of money. So you really have to be a fresh market person. And you can make some. There is a real uh, resurgence of cider varieties for apples for making cider. But that's a long haul kind of thing. You're going to have to be fairly young to do that. Um, as we say in the apple business, if you want to make a small fortune, you start with a large yeah. one and you plant apple trees. <laughs> so, but you can make really good fermented apples, hard cider, out of cider from, we do it all the time at the farm. We sell cider for fermenters. Um, we actually work with Homebrew Emporium over in Freesville, and we sell cider. We have people come in all the time and drop their buckets off, and we fill them up when we press cider. And we have a really nice cider blend because we do use a combination of apples. You don't want to use just Empires or just Red Delicious because the cider is kind of black.
2: There are a few apples that make a, a single varieties that make a nice hard cider, but they're very few and they're hard to find. So not too many people are going to find a, a complete pressing of golden russets um, or dabinets or something of that sort. So for most of us who are amateur cider makers uh, or people who are interested, in it, if you get interested, you, you get a press or build a press. You go out and try to find sources of these apples. There's a lot of people who are Uh, what I like to refer to as apple nerds, and they're into the the weird old apples like I am, or they hunt down um, wild apples, and I do that myself.
1: You just mentioned something about with the wild apples. My fiancé, we were driving down a road, and he he was like, oh, look, and he pulled over, and he just started... It was like a random tree. It wasn't right. a part of any orchard or anything right. like that. It was just on the side of this road we were driving down, and he's like, oh, he grabbed a couple. He's like, these are good apples. You gotta chase them. And I was afraid to eat them, because I didn't know you could. I mean, right. I grew up in an area where there were crab apple trees, and I never knew you could eat those, So yeah. I, because when I... When the excited. kids the neighborhood <laughs> kids would say, you know, I dare you to eat one of these and they would taste so bad. Right. So I figured it was a crab apple and then he's like, No, no, it's actually good and he talked me into it and they were good. How often in this area will we be able to find
3: that kind of thing? The, Just random the, trees. The, the, you're the gonna thing, you you're can, gonna have to go to Western Massachusetts right now to find some of these um, esoteric apple. Alan and I were talking about it before we went on air. That there, your neck of the woods is really where some of the cider varieties of apples have really uh, enjoyed a resurgence, and people have planted them and have success.
2: The thing is, is that. You can also find wild apple trees pretty much everywhere you go. And I'm making a T-shirt up that says, I see wild apples, because when (laughs) I drive around, I see apples all over the place that are not part of organized orchards. They're not on somebody's yard. I mean, I was just driving here today down the Mass Pike, and the Welcome to the Berkshire sign has these apple trees that were uh, maybe they were part of a homestead at some time, but they're clearly on the side of the highway and not part of an orchard right now. And they are producing apples. So they may be an heirloom variety or they may be what's known as a sport. And a sport is an apple that has um, come from a seed or uh, somehow gotten there. Maybe an animal has eaten the apple and... It went through the system and was deposited <laughs> with a little fertilizer on the other end, and you get you get a new apple tree there. And that's where people in the old days used to come up with new varieties of apples, as opposed to going through the more um, complicated systems that you see in the university systems where they develop beautiful, wonderful new apple varieties. But they're not as random as wild as some of these other ones. So your fiance might have found a delicious new variety. <laughs>
0: My question is: How do you identify apple? Is there like an an app or somewhere a website <laughs> where you can take a picture, or do you have to learn how to identify them by just well, exploring them? Yeah,
3: there's lots of there are lots of websites, and uh, New York Apple Association is one of the. NewYorkAppleCountry.com has a wonderful uh, website that tells you not only what variety is, but all the characteristics and what to use it for. It's it's a terrific application. Um, I I can just stand in the farm store and tell you what's what. I've been I mean I've been doing this my entire 63 years of my life, so I know what's what. And after a while, you know, it's like you get so you know whether it's going to be a honey crisp or a macown or a mac or a Cort- once in a while i get the cortlands and the Macs mixed up that can be a little dicey because they look a little bit alike if you don't look real close but basically you get so you know we have a chart at the farm that shows the different apple varieties and we also always tell any of our customers that come in who want x y or z we always say okay what are you looking for?
2: What can we help you with? Just to get back to your identification point, but if you come in with an apple that you found out uh, on some old farm and you bring it in, it may not be a common one that's in production anymore. It may have gone out of production because there were thousands and thousands of varieties of apples that were in production over the years, and many of them are not commercially available now. So you may have something that's an oddball. And you, if you do go to the, the two-volume set of Apples of New York that was put out by Veach, uh, yep, that's right. And uh, you may be able to find it in there, but you may not. And so sometimes you will need to find an old apple expert if you really want to go that far, or just <laughs> eat it and enjoy it. You, <laughs> you can find if
3: you can find an old timer who's still alive. And now I'm getting to be the old timer, which is kind of scary. But across the road from me was an orchard and an, also a chicken farm, and they always had old varieties and they knew them. Um, and there's a lot of really super old varieties like Monroe and Baldwin and things like that. Yeah that are out there.
2: The wine saps. Remember? Did oh. you ever
3: have
0: loved wine oh, saps? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Now, were they usually named after families that had um, trees? or It, it depends on the, the different naming of the apples come from all different types of reasons, but they were a lot of times named after the person who promoted it, okay. not necessarily discovered it, but promoted it.
3: Empires are named after the Empire State because they were developed at the Geneva Testing Station, which is part of Cornell University, and they're a cross between a Mac and a Red Delicious. Um, Courtland's actually came from Bartlett's over in uh, over right, right next door to in Richmond, uh, right next door to Pittsfield.
2: And Westfield seek no further, came from Westfield. <laughs> I mean, you know, and Maiden's Blush. Well, I don't know where Maiden's Blush. I don't think. I think that was just the way it looked.
3: Now, some of you might know Crispins. <laughs> you see Crispins in the grocery store. They're these big, huge, yellow-green apples, and they're wonderful. Well, they were Matsus, and they're a cross between a Japanese Indu. And the Golden Delicious, mm. and basically the British decided that they didn't want to um, market them with the name Matsu. Who knows why? <laughs> and so they came up with Crispins.
0: Interesting.
2: Yeah, and, and that's branding. That's oh, the other it's... thing is that there are names have changed on some of these apples. Sometimes apple uh, producing associations decide, well, you know, this name just doesn't have the zip it needs, and so they change the name of the apple. But uh, the best way to really understand an apple is to buy one and eat it. I guess if you have a ton of trees and you have a
0: certain type of apple and the name's not catching on, you're going to change <laughs> it to try to get those apples to move.
3: Well, basically, you don't plant you don't plant things that you know are not going to be um, that are not going to be marketable. You just don't even you don't even go there. I mean, that's e- e- because you can't afford to. Right. So you're going to plant a variety that you know is going to. Um, we have Honeycrisp. We have a very small amount of Honeycrisp, but we have Honeycrisp, and they are huge sellers because everyone loves them.
2: The people who grow the weird apples are the amateur orchardists, the people who don't make a profession out of it, the people who are retired, the people who are who are hobbyists. Um, they're the folks who will grow some of the more offbeat kind, uh, or the people who have a very, very specialized, but they're usually not your commercial growers.
0: Is there a certain apple that's trending right now that's popular, a certain variety?
3: Honeycrisp are huge right now. I mean, it, they have been for a while, and the uh, other up and coming is, uh, which is a new uh, New York State variety, is Snapdragon.
2: Yes, Snapdragon. Yeah, I've not tried those.
3: <laughs> they're very hard to get because they're controlled.
2: Hmm. I I am happy to try pretty much any kind of apple, and just because I'm, I always want to learn more about what's out there. But uh, there's a lot of the old varieties that you don't see very often that are really interesting. But just like you know the, this is fruit this is fresh fruit and it's not made to stay around forever so you got to eat it when it comes into season so you know the macawan will not taste as good as it gets older you know just like any of these apples some will store some will not taste good when they're picked and they need to be stored for a couple months in a in a controlled storage uh, situation before they really developed the flavor. Winter banana would be one of those apples that you can't find very often, but it was an old storing apple that people would put in their coal cellars and it would store until it got riper towards December.
3: Red Rome's were the same way. We, we grow an apple called an Ida red that you can literally keep all year in cold storage and it really does not lose its flavor. It's an older apple. A lot of people don't know about it. It makes terrific pies. It's a great apple to eat. It's a great apple to cook with.
1: Um, I had a question about apple butter. Does apple butter that we buy in the store usually have a bunch of different varieties of apples in it?
3: Well, it's applesauce. It's whatever the applesauce is that the person makes. And if you really want to make good applesauce, again, it's just like cider. You want to use, you really need to use a couple kinds of apples. But the thing is, is that it's cooked down for hours and hours. And actually, I have somebody who makes it with a, they put it in a crock pot. Hmm.
2: I was just making peach butter the other day because I have some peaches that I'm trying to use up, and uh, it's basically what I did is I kind of blended everything up and then put it in the in the crock pot and just kept back going back every 45 minutes, half hour, and stirring it and making waiting until it got to the right consistency. And you know, if you want yeah. to put a little spice in there, you can. You know, I, I like a little nutmeg in mine and a little little close. a little cinnamon. That those type of you're kind yeah. of your pumpkin pie spices, um, but you you don't have to do anything. <laughs> And some people will want it. Some people want it sweeter, so they'll put brown sugar in. But uh, some of us just like it plain. And but it's a it's a fun thing to do, and it makes the house smell great. Also, when (laughs) when you make
3: applesauce, use apple cider, fresh apple cider in it, because it 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 just concentrates all the flavor. I tell people get it, just put about an inch of apple cider in your apples when you go to cook them.
1: It's gonna make my weekend smell delicious. And the,
2: the, the way I, the way I store my applesauce is I use Ziploc freezer bags, and I let my sa- apple applesauce cool down, and I throw it in a quart freezer bag, and I have enough for a meal. And I just pull them out, and uh, I don't have to can them.
1: That's a good idea.
2: Do you guys have a funny story to end us on? Oh, what about, uh, do you have any stories about people calling up and asking for apples in the... Uh...
3: Oh, I, I was telling them earlier that um, we have, we keep a list of the most unbelievable questions we get every year. <laughs> a, we every should fall. do that for Vox. It's really, yeah. <laughs> it's really fun because, you know, you look back and you're thinking, okay, we can never top this one. And then something comes along. So we had somebody call at, at the Christmas vacation one year and want to know, uh, they wanted to pick their own apples. And they were really dead serious, too. And we said, well, you know, where are you? And they they told us where they were around the capital region. Sometimes they call from Manhattan or downstate. And I said, well, where are you? And they said, well, I'm in such and such place. I said, did you look out your window? And they're like, well, yeah, what do you mean? I said, do you notice there's no leaves on the trees? And they're like... Well, yeah. I said, well, apples can't hang on the tree forever. I mean, people don't get that. They don't understand that. So that's one of the funniest things. That's one of the funnier things we've had. We also have people call us up with very bizarre questions about uh, what do I do with my apple tree or what do I do with my apples? I mean, there's a lot of questions like that.
0: They see apples in the store, so there's got to be apples still on the tree, right? That's Absolutely. <laughs> That's Absolutely. correct. <laughs> you got it. Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll look out for all those varieties we just learned about. And uh, thank you guys for coming on. My thank pleasure. It was come, come
2: visit us at Cider Days, first weekend
0: in November. That was Sue Gould Miller of Gould Orchards in Castleton, New York, and Alan Sachs of Franklin County Cider Days.
1: This has been Food Friday Leftovers. I'm Ashley Kinsey. And I'm Dave Hopper. Be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2 p.m. on WAMC Northeast Public Radio.
0: Our producer is Jim Levoulis.
1: Our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood.
0: Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. And tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge.